0: Welcome to this week's edition of The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge Television. Bass Edge Television is on Wild TV in Canada as we speak, and as of January 2008, they're back on the Versus Network, January all the way through June of 2008. Outdoors Dan Young here, and I'm joined with my good friend Aaron Martin. Aaron, how you doing, buddy? Hey,
1: I'm doing great, Dan. Just happy to be here.
0: Uh, I tell you, me and you both, we've got an exciting podcast today. Uh, we're going to be joining Bass Edge editor Steve Bringman, and Steve has got a very special guest.
1: He does. You know, I consider it a, really a legend of the sport and, and a pioneer who's helped get the sport to where it's at, but also voted the all-time greatest angler by BASS readers, and that is none other than Mr. Rick Klunt.
0: Well, that's going to be exciting. And, hey, if that wasn't good enough, we've also got Elite Series competitor and Legend Boats Pro Staffer Lee Bailey Jr., and Lee's got a brand-new business to tell us about, ProAnglers.com, which is going to share creative tools and um, to teach people how to market themselves to get in the professional ranks, So that's going to be pretty cool as well, right?
1: Oh, definitely. You know, I th- think that's one of the most often asked questions is, how do you crack into this sport from the professional level as far as attracting sponsors? So um, th- th- that's just going to be a great interview.
0: Yeah, and also how to wear a blaze orange pumpkin shirt. Like <laughs> and look good in it. And look good. I haven't mastered that one yet. (laughs) (laughs) And don't forget, we'll also answer the listener email question and give away some great prizes to this week's lucky winner. It's all right here.
2: You're listening to The Edge, the official audio program of Bass Edge.
0: Uh oh, look here. I got one. I got one. Look here.
3: I mean he whacked that football jig. The blades will dictate a lot of times the speed of the retrieve or the depth of that bait.
1: Oh good fish. Good fish. Did you see him come off
4: that log? Whoa, look at that soft gun, man. That's awesome. You know, you've got to just stay active. Fishing is not easy. Oh man, that's a toad. This is unbelievable.
0: All right, guys, Outdoors Dan here, and he's Aaron Martin, and we're going to be throwing the edge at you as fast as we can. You know, Aaron, it's been a week or two since I talked with you. There's a lot of things going on with the fall, and, you know, I hate to use the pun, but things are heating up in the water.
1: That's right, that's right. And, uh, you know, the funny thing about that is, is you know, I, th- I think you're you're actually in a deer camp somewhere. I don't even know where you're at anymore, Dan. We're, we have such opposing schedules, it's hard to keep up with.
0: Well, you know, that's the bad thing is, you know, I'm, we're usually opposite ends of the country. I'm in Iowa right now. Yeah. We uh, we started buck hunting in Iowa this week, and I know you've been busy filming some shows. And, yeah, uh, well, yeah. Give me some highlights. Uh, what did you catch?
1: Well, um, you know, we, we went to, and I, I don't want to give away the farm, but Amistad treated us well, Choke Canyon even better, and uh, got to spend some time with our good buddy uh, Pete Ponds, and then Alton Jones down there. And right now, believe it or not, I'm actually in uh, Nashville, Tennessee on Percy Priest. So uh, we've got a, a long couple weeks schedule ahead of us here as we're going to be on four different lakes uh, filming with four different anglers. And so I'll be sharing more on that, and I'll give you some updates next week on how the fishing's going. But uh, certainly, I'm in, I'm in great company. Let's put it like that.
0: Hey, you got to go to the Opryland Hotel. Have you ever been there?
1: Uh, No, I have not,
0: actually. You have got to go there while you're there. They have got, I'm not making this up. They've got a river that runs through the hotel. Really? And it's got—is that any
1: fish in it? It's got fish. In it. <laughs> now we're it. talking. <laughs> you have to go check that out. <laughs> I definitely will, because I mean, you know, Nashville—it's a—it's a great city, and there's a lot of, a lot of things uh, down here, and you know, certainly the birth of country music. Um, but yeah, it's a—it's a great city. I will definitely check that out. I may even have yeah, to you, take my collapsible rod in it. with me.
0: Yeah, you know what? I tried to bowfish that; they wouldn't let me. <laughs> yeah,
1: you standing on the balcony trying to get a beat yeah. on one, yeah. So, Hey, but,
0: you know what? I, I've been getting a ton of questions and emails on the radio shows lately. People are wanting to know about presentations for the fall, and you know, I, since you've been traveling, I haven't had you on. And you know, I know you have some great advice for our listeners.
1: Well, I do. You know, this is that time of year when the when the the air temperature is cooling, which ultimately starts cooling down the surface temperature on the lake. Now that you know, the the deeper water, that doesn't happen as quickly as one might think. But again, going back to previous uh, podcasts that we've had on here leading into this segment and then also the articles on the website, you know, that really starts affecting the backs of the creeks as those sheds start moving, uh, those fish become more active as the water becomes more comfortable. Um, you know, there's a couple different things that's going on right now, and a lot of popularity is has been centered around the swim bait. And, you know, while down at Amistad, growing up in the Midwest, that's just something that Really was a, a little bit later introduced into my repertoire, I guess, if you will. But uh, while down there, I did a lot of of swim bait fishing, and you know, I came out with this. I'm I'm using those bass tricks, which any swim bait is good, but that's one in particular that I like. And throwing that, um, really, the one that has the eyes, just on a on a big 7 aught hook, a wide gap hook that has a little weight in the belly of the hook, and you just throw it out there, and you just do a steady retrieve. And you're talking about something that is really, really easy to fish. You know, it's much like a a spinnerbait. You don't have to do a lot with it. But one of the things, Dan, that happens with that that I realized is when the fish comes up and hits that, really on the first three times that it bumps it, you know, it feels like it's, it's just coming up and bumping the tail. You can't set the hook. And you're talking about something that's hard to do is whenever you get a strike and you can't set the hook on the first time. You know, the first time it'll go bump, second time bump. And then on that third time, normally what happens is when it comes up, it just comes up and eats it and then takes off and the rod just loads up. It's kind of like fishing a suspended jerkbait as far as, you know, how it loads up on the rod. But, you know, I missed several fish right off the bat uh, until I really got that that figured out. But, um, you know, I think a lot of that is because those bass are trying to kill that prey. And because of the dorsal fin on the back of, let's say, a shad or a bait fish or uh, the tilapia that they happen to be feeding on down there, um, you know, they can't inhale or swallow that bait fish tail first they have to kill it and then suck it in head first so that it goes down you know their through their digestive system the other thing that's that's taking place is the schooling fish you know now is that time of year to when those those big schools of fish really get aggressive you're talking about exciting action and that is when you see those acres of schooling fish come up whether it be largemouth or spotted bass you know being able to throw out there in them and you know you can use a pencil popper uh some kind of a popping bait, surface lure, or throw like a uh, lipless uh, crankbait through them, or a jerkbait, which works extremely well. That's one of the things I did down at Amistad, is just a suspending, suspending jerkbait out there in the middle of them. And, you know, a lot of times those bigger fish will hold under those surface-feeding fish, which sometimes can be smaller, but there's oftentimes, you know, that it has some bigger fish right up on surface as well. But I'm telling you, you can literally catch a lot of fish in a short period of time.
0: You know, it's neat when you're out there and you start seeing all those bait fish porpoise out of the water. Yeah. You know what's going on. Underneath well, it, the, it, it is, Dan, and,
1: yeah. and that's a great point. And, you know, one of the things that Pete Ponds taught me while I was down there was, you know, when you're targeting schooling fish and you're just throwing out to the masses of that explosion, one of the things that he employs is it's kind of like bird hunting, whether it be dove or quail. You've got to pick out, when you look at that covey of those several birds, it's just the same way in fish. And he said, pick out a fish, spot a fish and then plot a course of where you think that fish is going to be. Sometimes it works, you know, very, very effective, but with multiple tries and and really getting that that line of sight into it, you know, you can actually pick out a bigger fish and then try and particularly catch that fish. And I thought that was very interesting because normally you think of throwing the schooling fish that you're just, you know, whatever happens,
0: happens. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. I know they do that in saltwater all the time, Aaron. Exactly. So there you go. And what about the fall fishing?
1: You know, the fall fishing, I tell you what, I'm just so wrapped up right now with, I I cannot wait to, you know, spinnerbait bite is, I mean, it's getting ready to be on depending on where you're at. Um, Certainly to the north now, I I think it's rocking and rolling, but, uh, you know, this, again, this is my favorite time of year, spring and fall. Uh, This is when the fish become active, and really the fall pattern is just the reverse of the spring. Now they're moving back um, into that shallower water out of those deep ponds, and again, I'm going to the back of the creeks, you know. Uh, I just want to be able to target fish, be able to flip, and, and just really, you know, we've been all summer long fishing deep and drop shotting and doing all this finesse stuff to try and convert. Well, now it's time to uh, to pick up the, the rod and go to work and go, you know, motoring down the bank as quick as what you can go just covering water.
0: Oh, absolutely. Well, all the fall foliage up here has changed in Iowa, and in Minnesota, uh, it's really changing up there. matter of fact, they got snow today. Wow. Holy yeah, cow. Yeah, so if fall is definitely here, my friend. That's right. Yeah, well, you know what, folks? We need to take a short break, but when we come back, you're going to hear from the master, Mr. Rick Klun, and we're going to have some other good stuff right here for you on the edge.
2: Give any type of boat the edge with MegaWare Keel Guard. It's simple to install, and we can now beach our boat anywhere.
0: If you own a boat, you need
1: one of these.
2: MegaWare Keel Guard protects the keel of your boat from sand abrasion, from underwater obstructions, even concrete boat ramps. Kit started under $140. And best yet, it's guaranteed to keep on protecting for life. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard.
4: Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard.
2: Well, welcome back to the Edge. This is Steve Brigman, and I'm here with Rick Klund, a voted the greatest angler by ESPN fan poll. Man, it's good to have you here on the edge today, Rick. Ah, uh, Steve,
4: appreciate the new experience here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, a couple old hands like me and you doing uh, a podcast is uh, uh, says something about what's going on in fishing today. And of course, you know one of the great things when I talk to you about is, is you give me such a perspective of of the past and 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 the history of the sport. And Today, I would like to talk to you about uh, this mental aspect, which you were one of the very early pioneers and, and still really uh, one of the, the main people that, in the sport that, that talks about the mental aspects of fishing. Can you talk to me just a little bit about where that all began in your fishing career?
4: Well, actually, it began before my fishing career. It began in my early youth athletic days when I realized that the my, my main strength, usually in an athletic event, whether it was basketball or football, was the mental side. I, I wasn't a gift athlete physically uh, I wasn't that fast I wasn't that big and and but, but a lot of people but I coaches and stuff started to point out that I I, I usually out thought of the other players and so when I got interested in fishing I, I really it that that fascinated me even more because in fishing I, I realized early on that it didn't require it, it was a sport and I truly believe that but it didn't require these super athletic physical abilities that other sports did. So even more so, I thought, this, this may be a science of the mind more than a, than a, a science of all the other human elements, uh, you know. And, and, and yeah, we do, the, the physical part does figure in, but it, still, the mental part is really the, the whole key. To, to the, this infinite amount of variables that we deal with in the sport of fishing,
2: what are some of some what are some of the first mental aspects that you started uh, uh, discovering and exploring in your fishing?
4: Well, a lot of it is uh, the ones I actually started exploring in fishing, and really, you'd heard them your whole life in other uh, sports and even heard them in other uh, professions, and that is how much your attitude and your and your and your positive versus negative thought patterns affect the results of what you're doing uh and 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 fishing is even where you're you're not dealing with an inanimate object like a basketball or a goal that's not moving fishing you're actually dealing with another living creature that moves and it's not always even visible and so and the fact that your attitude even in something like that might be playing a lot bigger role than most people thought is what i really eventually discovered uh
2: Let's talk about confidence. You know, it's football season. I've been watching a few games on television. You see the the momentum shifts, and you really get a sense that the teams are having confidence shifts. Do, do you believe how important is that in fishing? And do you believe it's it's a controllable factor?
4: I think it's. Uh, I think it's the confidence. As far as a controllable factor, eventually, I think it is controllable. But it's also it's also one of those things that's very fragile. Even guys with this huge amount of confidence. Uh, in fishing and in other sports uh, that is not as there it's not as solid of a, of a platform as most people think it is it doesn't take that much to upset uh, your confidence and you see it in, in major sports where a team all of a sudden that was so good uh, look at you know this year in college uh, football teams are being beat by teams that are not a third of their size and and once they got beat by that one they lose confidence immediately almost, so, mm-hmm. and then you've got to recover it, and that's harder than getting it the first time. It's actually being able to recover your, your, your confidence. And fishermen are notoriously negative, okay? When you go fishing, most of us at home think about, oh, it's going to be a pretty day, and, man, I'm going to catch a lot of fish, and, and the weather's going to be perfect. And the minute you get there, immediately that turns around. You go, dang, it looks like we have a storm today. The wind's blowing a lot harder than I thought. Water's muddier than I thought. So already he's got three negative things. And really, what it boils down to in the long run is who wins. It's this little negative. You remember in the old days you had a little negative dev- a devil on one shoulder <laughs> right. sort of and angel on the other?
2: Right, right.
4: Well, and that's kind of what's going on here. The devil's going, You ain't going to catch crap today. And the, uh, the angel's going, Don't listen to him. Hey, yeah, the wind is blowing and it's muddy, but you don't have as many boats out there today, and the fish are going to stay more active. So this is, it's a matter of which one of these little voices wins. And that's really where confidence comes from. If you got a lot more, if you're listening to the little the little devil over here a lot more than you are the positive one, then eventually that is what erodes your confidence, or what builds your confidence.
2: Well, Rick, the last time you and I spoke, we you spoke to me about uh, vision, uh, like like say the way Michael Jordan sees the court. Talk to me a, bit, a little bit about uh, how you see vision in fishing.
4: Well, vision in fishing is is again, I think probably it's the It's the key to awareness. Uh, That's where awareness starts in humans. In humans, unlike a lot of creatures, uh, our eyes are our dominant sense. And so let's let's start with vision because I I think eventually you have to incorporate all your senses, much like a, a wild animal does. But let's start with vision because vision is what we tend to dominate most human activities. And it's certainly true in fishing. And so the way you look at water... Uh, I, I really try to when I'm teaching classes or teaching other fishermen is that there's different types of vision that, that we're incorporating all the time, uh, and I'm gonna, uh, in in a, a full court awareness like in basketball would be. It's kind of like wide angle vision in, in fishing where you're actually see, you, you've got a, you're seeing everything within your periphery and around you, and then it, it, there's guys that do a lot of what we call the technique of flipping, and they have more of a tunnel vision. In other words, they don't necessarily see across in their peripheral vision a, a, a bass chasing a minnow on the back on the far bank or a blue heron you know chasing brim down the bank but these are all important indicators if you're a fisherman to what may be going on is this area alive or is this area dead those are all important indicators but a, a tunnel guy with tunnel vision may not see this but on the other hand a guy who has wide angle vision may not see the detail that's also very important that a, that a the flipper or the tunnel vision guy sees. In other words, the the flipper's flipping a dock. He he knows exactly which side of the, the of the dock the, the fish are sitting on. He can see the crawfish hose in the bank. He sees the brim suspended under the dock. So he he's very he's a very precise vision in the in, in the little small world. But you gotta use, I, so I try to teach people though to switch in and out, to learn to look at everything. And there's another type of vision. And that's what see the, most of what I talked about there is mostly above water vision. And a little bit under, you know, if you're, look, if you're tunnel vision looking in clear water. But this, but the other vision that's very important is it's more of a visualization type vision where you see that point protruding into the water, and, and, but now you, you visualize that all how it goes out under the water. And you, and you need to develop that vision as well as the other two.
2: And of course, uh, sight is one of the uh, senses that, that that you rely on strongly in fishing. But, but I know you truly believe in, in incorporating all your senses. Talk to me a little bit about that.
4: Well, I think uh, I think eventually, yeah, if you're really going to achieve peak performance in, in your in your in your fishing and your angling. Uh, then I think you have to incorporate your ears. Most anglers can tell you without seeing a fish hit the top if it's a if it's a predator type fish or if it's a, a docile type fish like a carp that's just you know rolling on the surface like a gar or a carp. And most of us can tell by the sound. So in that sense, hearing is very very important. Uh, even smell, even old saltwater guys used to tell you they could smell bait fish and they could smell an area where, you know, that type of trout thing. Trout slicks, yeah. Yeah, and trout slicks and all those type of things. And those things exist in freshwater equally as well. I mean, I, 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 I've I seen the same thing. Uh, and, and of course, your sense of feel is, is, is probably one that we use, most fishermen use better than they think. But your sense of feel is your connection to to the way your lure is working underwater. In other words, through your rod and through the line, you're actually feeling the exact vibration that is generating the strikes that are catching the fish and how the blade of the spinnerbait is turning and all of that. So feel is, again, playing a, a very important role. Smell, is, we, we were talking about that. You know, when I smell a bass, I and this is something I do, it sounds silly, but I will catch a bass, usually the first one I catch, when I haven't been fishing, I'll smell it. And I'll never can do that without immediately flashing back to the very first bass I ever caught when i was 6 years old. Yeah. So if my mind is bringing that bass back into into its into its thought process conscious thought processes then all how much else is it bringing back about fishing. So the smell of that bass is i think is even important. I mean it sounds a little weird but ultimately what you're trying to achieve is complete awareness because i'm often asked what it's a bass smart? Well, it, the definition as part is the key here. Is If smart is using all your senses to their fullest potential? Then they're a lot smarter than we are, and that's what I'm trying to encourage fishermen to do: is use all your senses to their fullest potential. Thus, you're going to be getting you're going to be getting in more accurate data on, on, on the conditions of how what the fish are doing. But ultimately, the probably the problem more important than that. It actually makes you more alive. A, a native friend of mine used to look at a lot of people, and, and he really said it in a sad way. It wasn't a critical way, that that guy's walking dead. Yeah? He would look at a person and say, he's, he's dead. But I mean, he's walking, but he's dead. And I went, what are you talking about? And he said, he, he doesn't see anything. He doesn't he feel, doesn't feel anything around him. He's in tunnel vision. He's actually trying to shut the world out for whatever reasons. He doesn't smell the roses. You know, he doesn't hear the, uh, the birds. He doesn't... Uh, See the sun rise, mm-hmm. or the sun come up, right. and he says, "He he said he says so he's not alive." And so the, the the ultimate gift in all this process is that actually you become much more alive when you awaken awaken your senses.
2: Yeah, you know, and I, and I think it's. It- I think it's kind of an age thing. Uh, Guys like me and you, when we're out fishing, we see a mink running down the bank. We'll take time to watch it instead of trying to get in those few extra casts and and maybe uh, learn to enjoy listening to the turkey goblin or whatever. Uh, Do you think that kind of appreciation and that kind of tuning into nature can actually make you a better fisherman? Absolutely, it's going
4: to make you a better fisherman. Awareness is, you know, you've heard me say, is better than being aware. It's better than being smart. I mean... Uh, I can, I can pick on a lot of. I can I, let me pick on one of my best friends, Guido Hidden Okay, <laughs> you know a lot of people look at Guido and then don't think he's he's uh, academically smart. Mm-hmm. But he's one of the smartest people I've ever been around in my life, and he's probably not academically smart. But that man has lived off the lands for so long that he he's so in tune with natural rhythms and things uh, that that he is he, he's incredibly smart when it comes, and, and that's why he's such a good angler. It's because that all translates into, in fishing, you have to reconnect yourself with natural rhythms if you want to be a good angler. Because not only do you become intellectually better, you, you intellectually understand the science and the behavior of fish, but your instincts become more like the fish. And when you do that, what instincts do for you is it gives that intellect the proper timing to take action. Because that's the whole key in fishing is doing the right thing at the right time. And, you know, and those are the, that's what does that for you is awareness. Awareness gives you the timetable to incorporate your intellectual knowledge.
2: And, and of course, one thing about you, Rick, that's always kind of amazed me is that uh, all the competitive fishing, the winning and, and the losing and just all that, you've always seemed to be able to put fishing in perspective more than so many competitive anglers uh talk to me about just what that means to you personally
4: i mean i'm i'm i fight that all the time because i am an extreme competitor i am real hard on myself and i actually will you know get get down on myself and in doing that i i actually become like that i kind of become part of the walking dead again i shut down a lot of the things that i've gotten to to experience uh in in fishing so i have really i really have tried to make an effort to, even, to realize that it's important in the context of, of me and my family, what I do, but in the big scheme of things, I mean, it's it's not that important. Uh, and and again, I'm the luckiest person in the world, but if I don't take advantage of these opportunities, like you said to hear a turkey in the woods and really pay attention to it or pay attention to some a raccoon chasing crawfish down the bank, then I'm cheating myself out of uh, much greater honors and awards than any trophy are, you know, it's going to give you.
2: Well, that's fantastic, Rick. I, I think I uh, just enjoy my time on the water a little more once I've had a little, a little Rick Clun time. Well, uh, Rick, this has been fantastic, and I just want to thank you so much for being with us here on the Edge.
4: Appreciate it, and I also appreciate the uh, iPod education. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I, well, I tell you, I, I, I'm afraid we've both got to, to learn a little bit about that, but... Uh, but uh, Aaron and the boys are, are teaching me that, Now I'm going to catch you on here a little bit. Yeah, Thanks a lot, Rick. It's good to see you again.
0: You. Well, Aaron, i got to tell you, one of the most exciting yeah. things for me about Rick Klon is that he's from Missouri.
1: Yeah, you know, and, and not only that, but he reminds me of E.F. Hutton. It's like when he talks, everybody listens, you know. That oh, man yeah. is such an authority of the sport.
0: Yeah, I tell you what, well, you know what, you, you earned that. You know, what a very humble man.
1: He is. I mean, you know, he just... He's one of the things that I am starting to realize. The more people that we interview of the great anglers, do you ever notice how they have the same temperament, um, and they're they're just very secure in who they are. And Rick Klun is the epitome of that. You know, he has nothing to prove to anybody, but yet he continues to go out and be a threat every day that he spends on the water.
0: Yeah, you know, another guy that's uh, just like that is Gary Klein. Very methodical, but very humble.
1: No question. And, again, he's in that same category, you know, that is really a, a pioneer uh, of the sport. And, you know, I, I just thought so much of, of Rick's interview.
0: Well, you know, the thing about Rick Lund that I've noticed over the last 10 or 15 years, he's he's a scientist. He he literally analyzes every data he can get on any body of water. And then he takes that. And I know you do the same thing. because You were driving me crazy at the sports show in St. Louis. You were telling me about all the stuff you enter in your in your day books and your GPS and all this other stuff. But you you really have to do that because you can go back and analyze and you know what you're going to face at every time of the year when you get to that body of water again.
1: Well, and that's right. But Rick is one of the true the, – the difference is, I think, you know, Rick is what I consider a true out- outdoorsman. He has that, that Native American background, that influence in his life. And, you know, his topic of confidence was so – just really mimicking the, the theme of Bass Edge and what Jay McNamara says through his book – here on the edge, you know, but he just, he really believes that you have to use all of your senses, you know, to be a a very good fisherman, and, you know, what amazes me is that when he made that comment that he felt like that, you know, he's not a gifted athlete to where he had some amazing skill or something like that, and he felt as if, you know, that he has to depend on those other senses um, to to compensate for his lack of physical ability.
0: Yeah, and not to give in the negative thoughts.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and that's one of the things that, that he brought up. When I got to thinking about that and listening to he and Steve's conversation was from the standpoint is that, you know, he made that point that fishermen are so anxious to get on the water and get there, and they're excited, but then guess what? They get to the boat ramp, and maybe the weather's off, or maybe the water clarity's not what it was, or maybe the lake's low, and instantly – that pattern of negative thought or negative emotion that comes into that situation can totally affect the outcome of your day and certainly the enjoyment of it, even if you're just a recreational angler.
0: Well, know? I tell you what, there was a lot of great stuff there, and I think Steve did a pretty good job of... You know, the thing with Rick, he's kind of a... I don't know if I want to say this the way it's going to sound, but he's almost like an introvert in a way. Have you noticed that?
1: Oh, no question. No question. And I, and I think he would he would share that, but, you know, his... I think his position on that is, again, comes from just his security with who he is as a, not only as an angler, but also as a person. And, and that confidence that he exudes, I mean, certainly shows up in his results, you know, as an angler, no question.
0: Well, he's the man. I mean, Rick Klund's Rick very well respected everywhere around the world. So that was a very, very good segment. No question. All right, we need to take another break, folks. When we come back, back to my favorite part of the podcast, the product giveaway and listener email right here
2: on the edge you've got the truck you've got the toys now it's time to get the hitch that gives you more time to play with both it's the Tow and stow receiver hitch by b and you want options select the ball size adjust the height to level the trailer or stow it out of the way in just seconds it's 10,000 tow towing pounds worth of durability convenience and the latest technology that has made b and famous the toe and stow receiver hitch by b and call 1-866 best hitch Welcome back to The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge.
0: All right, we're back on The Edge, and it's time to award this week's lucky winner. And this week's lucky winner, I can't believe it, is going to receive a complete line of Bass Edge gear. And you know, the thing that irks me about this, Mr. Martin, I have yet to get my pumpkin shirt. (laughs)
1: Well, it's Halloween. We're going to have to fix that, right?
0: Yeah, it's (laughs) October... I, I was going to go as Aaron Martin for Halloween, but, see, I can't because I don't have my best. Now, I think oh, your
1: personal wardrobe consultant told you that you were fall colors, and here we've dropped the ball.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little <laughs> devastated, but, you know what, I'll get over it, and, but, uh, hey, this week's lucky winner, it goes out to Carmen uh, from Frederick, Maryland, so all yeah. around the East Coast, so wait, congratulations, Carmen, that's The awesome.
1: East Side, that's the right. way. All right.
0: Yeah, there you go, and, hey, this week's question is from a... What a great name, Daniel. That's yeah. From Daniel in South San Francisco, and Aaron, what is it?
1: Hey, he uh, Daniel wants to know, he says, hi there, I was hoping to get your opinion on whether you think it's a better idea to have one really nice rod and reel or several cheaper rods and reels. I really enjoy bass fishing, but I'm also on a very tight budget, so every penny counts, and man, can I relate with that. I can't decide if I should spend $300 for what I would consider to be a very nice rod and reel or if I would be better off buying two or possibly even three lesser expensive rods and reels for the same amount of money? What would be the main advantages and disadvantages of going with one rod compared to two or three? And Daniel, my goodness, uh, that question is so valid, you have no idea what you just uncovered. And, and it's faced by so many anglers because with not only the, just the, the cost of equipment, you know, you, there's so many different choices out there and knowing what to do, Um, can certainly put you on your way there is no right or wrong but certainly we're going to at least try and help steer you in the right direction but you know as you mentioned there are both advantages and disadvantages to each choice and i always recommend if you can getting the best equipment but stick within your budget when it comes to terminal tackle like that of rods and reels you know sensitivity uh, and feel is the key when it comes to strike detection and landing bass because after all those elements such as the rod and the reel and the line hook That's the only connection between you and the bass. Um, So my suggestion is to look at, you know, taking the latter of of your comment there, is to look at purchasing two to three rods and reels starting out so that you're really not handcuffed into a particular technique or specific situation in which the rod is best suited for. And what I mean by that, you know, if if you only go out and you purchase one rod and reel of very, very high quality, and let's say that's a 7-foot, 6-inch, you know, flipping stick, well, that's not going to be a real effective method for, let's say, using a drop shot or throwing a crankbait. But in selecting these, what I recommend is a spinning reel uh, with a, a rod medium to medium heavy, say about seven foot. This will allow you to do your finesse presentation, such as, you know, the infamous shaky head or the drop shot, of which, you know, I uh, absolutely love, love to throw, but as well as throwing a suspended jerkbait. You know, that's one of the things that spinning rods and reels are, are often overlooked, and I just think it gives it just a fantastic action. You know, as we get later into the winter, um, you know, I normally put down the, the shaky head and, and the drop shot and, and pick up that for the jerk bait. But as far as the bait casting models, you know, I, I certainly suggest a medium-heavy 7-foot rod. Works great for jigs and soft plastics and Carolina rigs. And then if you're able to pick up the third choice, uh, that would be a 7-foot medium action, which is ideal for your top water. And your spinner baits and your crank baits. So really, you're covering all three bait categories uh, within those three choices. You can stick within your budget. But concerning your reels, you know that Ardent C Series is a great entry level reel. Has a full three year warranty, ensuring that you know if you do have problems, you're not going to be left out there uh, having to purchase a replacement. But most rods, you know, by the way, they have a lifetime warranty. So if there's a manufacturer's defect, you can send those back in. They'll send you a new one to ensure that you're not going to be spending uh, you know additional dollars. Down the road, but once you have developed, you know that skill set, and you start becoming more into that that technique specific, and as your budget grows, I definitely suggest increasing uh, your selections to more technique specific gear, uh, and and broadening those those choices within there. Um, so that that you can you know attempt to get more bass in the boat. So great question and best of luck on the water, Daniel.
0: There you go. That was he answered it very well. And you know the best thing about that what you just told him is he's going to find out if he goes with three or four different rods or two or three different rod setups, it's going to save him a lot of time from changing baits all the time. Exactly, and I, and you can't stress that enough, Dan.
1: Ex- especially you know when you're out there, you know let's say if you got a you're trying to go from a jig to a Carolina rig, you know rigging that Carolina rig. You know, even if you're using those Carolina keepers and not using the traditional swivel, uh, that method, it still takes some time. And, you know, what do they say? Time is money, especially when it comes to on the water.
0: Yeah, great job there, Mr. Martin. Folks, don't forget to send in a question or comment, and you will be in the weekly drawing. Simply send an email to podcast at com with your name and address in the body of the email, and we'll take care of it from there. Hey, we need to take our final break. When we get back, we're going to hear from Lee Bailey Jr. from ProAnglers.com.
2: When I'm fishing in a tournament, time is critical. I need fast, easy access to my lures. My Cook's Go-To Tackle System keeps my bait organized, tangle-free, and within easy reach. It installs in minutes under any deck lid, maximizing the storage space in my boat. And its durable construction lasts even through the harshest conditions. Get organized with Cook's Tackle System by calling 1-888-390-8780 or online at CooksGoTo.com.
1: All right, we are back on the edge and with us today is bass elite angler lee bailey of legend boats pro staff lee thanks so much for being part of the edge
3: thank you i appreciate the opportunity to be here
1: you know lee when when you and i were, were talking uh we share a similar passion and you know today instead of necessarily getting into the tips and techniques of of the actual fishing we want to look at you know the opportunities as far as growing of an of an angler outside of just you know whether to flip a jig or flip a you know a worm or something like that and really look at kind of the the business end of that you know and i i always enjoy being able to share other resources for how whether it be beginning anglers or even accomplished anglers can can learn more about bass fishing and that's something that you've really put into place through proanglers.com can you set us up a little bit as far as not only what ProAnglers.com is, but you know just a, a little bit of background information as far as on that?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, ProAnglers.com was a dream of mine for a lot of years. And what I wanted to try to do was bring a resource out there that anglers could learn fishing from and, and learn all levels of fishing from, you know, fishing on the banks right up to Elite Series angling, And that's what we're doing with ProAnglers.com. It's a free site people can come in and and browse through it and get streaming video, get tips and tactics and, you know, just really learn a lot and enjoy it at the same time while they're going through it. Uh, Some of the other things that we do there is we also strive on helping anglers promote themselves. Um, And that's where um, Bass Pro Tools comes in with my designing and designing boat wraps and truck wraps and uniforms and helping people, with websites and getting them to brand themselves and bringing their sponsors along with them.
1: You know, one of the things that I appreciate about your site, and and much like that of, of com is that, you know, you have a broad appeal not just to the advanced angler, you know, for wanting to, to step up the knowledge and, and really get some feedback and the insight in, in the touring pros' minds, but, you know, you also include a lot of uh, lake specialists or technique specialists to where the beginning angler can, can go there and really feel right at home, you know, from the standpoint of learning how to, say, do a, a particular technique or to fish a particular body of water.
3: That, that's what we tried to do, and, and it's, it, like I said, it was something that we wanted to do a long time ago, and it just take, took time to get it to where, you know, it was ready. I wanted to make sure that when we launched it, which we launched it last week, that it would uh, it would have the information in it to start with, and we would have enough people involved to continue to feed the information to it, and and I'm proud that we were able to do that.
1: Well, and you know, speaking from experience, you know, that's a very arduous process of of keeping information both up to date and pertinent, and and constantly being able to go out there and put in front of uh, the viewers and the listeners you know something that is going to help really raise their skill level um you know how do you how do you go out and and find you know is is there just a wealth of information that's out there or do you have problems you know finding people to to provide content to you
3: well i I think there's a wealth of information out there it's just a matter of of working with anglers and and that's something that i've learned to do a long time ago um you know anglers out there that are are just beginning tournament fishing and and just beginning fishing. I mean, they they want to grow, they want to learn, but they also have knowledge that that they probably don't even realize they have. In order to pass on, and that's something that we try to do is build relationships with anglers at all levels and and try to help the newer angler as he's beginning his career um, and help promote them and and help them move forward in this industry.
1: You know, and, and you bring up a very good point because I think that's often overshadowed is it's the stereotype that, you know, really the, the only information that's worthwhile has to come from a touring pro. But that could not, in my opinion, be further from the truth because I don't care if you've only spent a day on a body of water or a particular technique. You learn something of value. And really the only way as as a group of anglers that we can grow and and really increase our skill set is by someone sharing those experiences with us regardless of you know whether you're fishing recreationally or competitively.
3: I agree, I agree 100% there and and I think a lot of the best information that's out there is from the novice and, and beginning angler because they got a more open mind as they're starting with it as myself. I'm a I'm I'm a 12-year seasoned professional. I mean, I've been fishing full time for 12 years and you know you get you get caught up in it, and you get kind of stereotyped into what you do and sure um, most of our you know our information and our best finishes that come together come from just listening to people that may have only fished a little bit and tried something a little bit different i mean that's where most of the new techniques come from
1: well, exactly, and you know how many times i mean you know I just know from from experience of, you know, we, we develop habits, and and we repeat those habits, whether they be good or bad, but, you know, that's why I love working with up-and-coming anglers and and new that are newer to the sport, because, you know, their open-mindedness, it's almost that, you know, being naive to where they look at the total picture, and they're able to go out, you know, and succeed, because they don't have any prejudgments that they put in place of what they should or should not be doing.
3: That's exactly right, and, and that's where we're hoping that ProAnglers.com is going to Going to fill that void and and help those new anglers, and help all of us as as we get these new techniques, but also be able to help that angler that might be dreaming about you know moving forward in this in this industry and becoming a a top professional angler, um, in his career and help him move along in his marketing and promotion.
1: Sure, you know, and and now shifting gears over to that because one of I would dare say one of the top questions that I get asked, whether it be in person or you know, emails that are sent in uh, outside of just technique specific is, you know, if if I am aspiring to become and, and start fishing more, whether it be on a regional level or even a national professional level, you know, how can beginning anglers get tapped into the sponsorship market? Because it just seems like it's just, you know, so overladen with, you know, you have all these anglers out there, but, you you know, do you have any feedback on that? Because I know that's one of your strengths is in your marketing capabilities.
3: Yeah, I do, uh, and thank you for that, that comment. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think one of the biggest things that anglers need to look at is just what you said. There are amazing amounts of fishermen out there and, and amazing amounts that, that at some point want to, you know, want to try to become a professional, so to speak. And and anglers need to realize that, and they need to find themselves a niche. And you hear me say it a lot, that that my my philosophy in all this is branding the angler. The angler needs to find a niche that fits him. And I'll use myself, for example, with 007. Um, I've been a James Bond fan my whole life, and I was able to bring that in to part of my profile. And it's helped me brand Lee Bailey and by branding Lee Bailey it brings in my sponsors to where I can brand them better I can give them more exposure and i think a uh, beginning angler needs to look at himself first and what he can do to to make himself stand out and be different from that big pool of anglers that's out there
1: well you know and i and i relate that back to it's kind of like investing you know when you when you talk about investing money you know the first recommendation is that you know, if you're going to purchase stock or invest dollars into a company, you know, make dang sure that it's a company that you like, that you use, that you understand. And likewise, you know, with with sponsors, you know, you want to make sure that when you approach sponsors that, you know, it's something that you can be passionate about, that you can look for that niche of how you're going to be of service and bring value to
3: them for them make placing an investment in yourself. Exactly. And and when you're doing that and and branding yourself is what helps stand you apart from everybody else. And then you're going to be able to offer that sponsor more than the, the rest of the guys in that pool. And and you got to look at all the promotional avenues that are available to, to anglers today and, you know, getting to know your local outdoor riders and working with your local newspapers and, and anything locally that you can get involved in, even if it's just, you know, taking a few members out of the Chamber of Commerce out on the lake and things like that that you're going to be able to bring together to offer a sponsor. And today, I mean, one of the best avenues available is a personal website.
1: Yeah, no question. I mean, you know, what a better way. I mean, it's it's economical. Um, you can get great exposure through that. You can place, you know, not only photos but graphics, the educational pieces on there, like like we're speaking of. But then if, as you build, um, your branding, your personal branding, you know, then that just carries over. It's a very trackable way, um, if that's even a word, but you can track those, those numbers to be able to provide then to your sponsors, Hey, this is exactly what's going on. Uh, and this is hard evidence that support my efforts as far as what I'm doing.
3: And that, that was a a key word right there. Hard evidence because there's such a large pool anglers out there. And the way the industry is, is moving and, and advancing, the, the non-industry or non indemnity companies um, look for a lot more hard fact, hard evidence as to what kind of traffic they can get, what kind of numbers they can get from vehicles driving down the road or, or you at certain number of tournaments and how many people you get in front of. And if you do a seminar... These are all things that, that these non-indemnate companies can actually put dollar and cent numbers to.
1: Sure. I mean, it's, it's all about, we've heard it several times, it's about impressions. How many impressions can you deliver, and what is the validity of those impressions? You know, that's the first thing that when you set in those meetings, whether it be from a small mom-and-pop company to a, a large conglomerate or a Fortune 500 company, they want to know, you know, how, what is the validity of that, that evidence, and um, you know, as as far as getting started, let's say for beginning angle, let's let's back up. You know, what do you recommend starting at, let's say, a local level, or do you say, you know what, let's just dive right in off the diving board and and go?
3: Well, I'm a tough one to ask that question to because I'm I'm a go getter and I'm a risk taker, and and I know I I quit my job and and I did all of that and dove right into it. Um, but I'm not I'm not going to say that that for everybody. Um, It really depends on the individual um, as to what level of risk they're comfortable with. And I would recommend that that an angler remember that he he does need to take some risk like you would in any business venture to get going in this this industry. You've got to be very passionate about it, as you said earlier. It's got to be a passion of the angler to do this, and that passion will lead him to... What, what level of risk he's looking to venture into or how far he wants to go into it. And if, if he's only comfortable with starting at the local level, then that's where to start. Yeah. If he's comfortable to, to jump a little further into the regional level, then, then that's where he needs to go. Because the more passion he shows for it is, and, and the more risk, I, I don't like using the word risk, but let's stay with the passion. The more passion he has for it, the more that's going to show. To the sponsors.
1: No question, and you know, in our last closing uh, minute or two here, one of the things that I gained, uh, you know, I, I tr- totally agree with you that I think you have to go look at your comfort level, then maybe step outside of it just a little bit, but you can't go from, you know, if you're down at a, on a scale of one to 10, if you're at a three, and you try and jump off at a 10, it's going to scare the heck out of you, and you know no right. one is going to be effective. And that's one of the things that when I look back on my career, that starting out at the local level, and like what you brought up earlier about you know working with the local newspaper, the Chamber of Commerce, getting involved in the community uh, to where you get people involved in the fishing, that does a couple things. A, it puts you in a position to where if you don't have, let's say, the formal training of public speaking and, and doing some of those those situations, of marketing and things like that, that's going to more or less get your feet wet. Whereas if you do and and your comfort level is outside of that, you know, go ahead and step step into a a little bit of the deeper end of the pool, I guess, if you will, and go from there. But bottom line, that early training, I think by paying attention and keeping very good records as far as the impressions, um, that trackable evidence that we're talking about, you know, that is going to build a foundation of which you can use that to spring off. I agree. I agree. You know, what about as again, just in the in the last comment, can you can you talk a little bit about and help clarify just as as far as the branding of themselves, um, you know, through the website and what's involved in that, both from a, a time commitment as well as a cost.
3: Well, uh, internet has has become very affordable for people, and and websites, um, and you know, personal branding websites in particular, have gotten really affordable. I mean, you can have them built from you know six, $800, right, you know, right up to whatever you want to spend. Um, but I think what happens is it, it becomes a way that the angler is going to be able to work on his identity. Um, and if he finds the right company to work with for that website, that person should be able to work with them and help them find that identity and start that identity. And then he'll have something that he can conform to and it, it'll show consistency throughout as he starts building his career. Lee, great advice, and I
1: wish... Definitely wish we had more time. I can tell you that uh, we're going to need to get back together here on the edge to to kind of go into phase two because there's so much more information I'd love to be able to share that I think is important for beginning anglers to know how to get themselves involved in this sport. But for our listeners' sake, you know, how can individuals best get in touch with you to find out more information about uh, your organization, ProAnglers.com? Uh,
3: they can visit uh, ProAnglers.com and there's a contact page there and They can browse through and see some of the clients that we're working with already, um, or they can email me directly at lee at proanglers.com. All
1: right. Well, Lee, I know uh, for 2008, we've got slated to uh, do a little bit of fishing together for one of the shows, so certainly looking forward to that. But in the meantime, wish you the best of luck and and just want to thank you so much for being part of the edge. Thank you very much. I appreciate it.
0: You know, Aaron, i got to tell you that proanglers.com, what a wonderful tool for somebody wanting to go to the next level and finding sponsors.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and Lee brought up so many good points and so many that we didn't even get to talk about due to time constraints. But, you know, really for recreational anglers whom are wanting to aspire to get into the competitive market, there's just uh, just so many anglers that are out there that it's competing for the same dollars. But I thought he brought up a great point when he said as far as branding yourself and setting yourself apart um, you know, within the sponsor market.
0: Yeah. Well, it's very important because, you know, I, when I get questions about it on the hunting side it is, well, how do you get to hunt for a living? I said, well, you got to look at it this way. I really don't hunt for a living. I'm out there representing companies trying to teach, and, you know, inform and educate you on why you should be shooting or using these equipment. And in the fishing ranks, it's the same thing. You, and I, you know, I would even say it's probably even more defined with fishing because, for the simple fact, every rod probably has several different applications to it, and you really have, your product knowledge has to be very good to tell people or to articulate that to somebody. No question. Yeah, that's
1: what companies look for. Yeah, I mean, I mean you're exactly right. I mean, if when I'm often asked, you know, if, if from a, a beginning person that's trying to, to become, and let's say still has some, some college or education years ahead of them, you know, the first thing I tell them to do is get at that degree in marketing and get some sales public speaking abilities because now, even with you know, within the entire outdoor industry, that market, that fan base, which shares demographics with NASCAR and and bull riding, um, you know, all of those are very, very loyal fans. So now, with the introduction, you know, manufacturers and and companies are seeing that market or that fan base that maybe don't don't even market or p- produce a product you know, that's specific to the outdoors arena. So, you know, knowing how to publicly speak and represent and create that branding for not only yourself, but also for those companies, you know, it will produce huge dividends.
0: Absolutely. Well, and you know what? The more you can learn about cross-promotion and how to apply that to people, the more receptive companies are going to be towards you know, looking, taking a serious look at yourself.
1: No question. You know, the funnest part about that is, Dan, is, is just the ability of, of the people that you have the ability to influence and introduce into the outdoors and share that experience with, because that's, that's really what this is about. It's about a passion, you know?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, when I talk to sponsors, they tell me, well, who do you reach? I always tell well, there's my mom, <laughs> there's my brother, um, and i got my neighbor down the street, and yeah. then there's my mom. <laughs> you know, but you, know, you have to know that. I mean, they want that information
1: on demographics. They want that quantifiable, valid information on, on that's impressions.
0: Right. So. You know, my mom's a strong 45-64, so, I mean, that that's disposable income right there, Aaron.
3: There you go. There you go.
0: <laughs> it's not its not always quantity, it's quality. <laughs> <laughs> that's
3: right. That's right. So. Well, but no, that
0: was great. Proanglers.com, folks, uh, you need to go check that out. I think you'll find that is uh, very enlightening and entertaining as well, and I think that's a great resource to learn. No question. There you go. Well, folks, I can't believe it, but we're out of time again.
2: Man, it and, flies uh, by.
0: It does fly by. It. And you know what? You know, we're going to be talking about Christmas stuff here before uh, too much longer. It's crazy. This year's flying by as well. Next week, we're going to have a surprise for you that you need to tune in, and that's all I can say at this time. But you know what? We always have some great information for you on the edge. In the meantime, make sure you visit our website. It is www com, Mr. Martin it's always a pleasure
1: likewise and uh, hope you have a great time in deer camp and hopefully nobody brought their banjo
0: uh, to, uh, <laughs> you know, that's, a, that's a whole other podcast right here <laughs> hey folks we gotta get out of here for Aaron Martin this is Outdoors Dan thank you so much for listening to The Edge we'll catch you next time
2: This week's edition of Bass Edges, The Edge, has been brought to you by b Trailer Hitches, Cook's Tackle Management Systems, Locker Bar Boat Security Systems, and MegaWare Keel Guard. For more information on Bass Edge, including our television show, training materials, e-newsletter, and podcast, please visit www.bassedge.com.